0: You guys are packing this place out. We're about to have to go to multi-site or something. Uh, as long as that depends on you getting here by 1041. Okay, open your Bibles. John chapter 14. John chapter 14. We're going to talk about something important today. Air conditioning. I have a question for you. How many? Let's just talk about where you keep your air conditioner set. If... You are in the room... If you're a person who's in the 70s, could you raise your hand? Not your age, I don't want to judge or anything. But if you're a 70... Okay, whoa. Do I have any people who keep their air conditioner in the 80s? Okay. If you're correct and you keep your air conditioner in the 60s, could you raise your hand? All All right. I don't know if you are like us. At our house, no one can sleep if it's too, too hot. So, every night we turn the air conditioner down from one number to a lower number. The the, par, the person in our home who probably sleeps the, the coldest stands in front of you. And uh, that's a... But I, I'm working through it, uh, you know, wearing t-shirts and parkas. But... In the midst of all of that, you you begin to realize a a few things. You you begin to realize that if that air conditioner goes out, it may cause problems. No matter how well your house uh, circulates air, if there is nothing moving that air, it's going to become uncomfortable. Now, in the midst of that discomfort, you are dealing with something if you are asleep in the middle of the night. More than likely, you are covered up with multiple blankets. Maybe one of them is even called a comforter. And as you are covered up with that comforter in the middle of the night, when your air conditioner shoots from whatever degree you prefer for your sleeping pleasure to a higher degree, you move to discomfort. Well, for those of us who are believers in Jesus, for those of us who follow after Jesus, many of us have... Treated The idea of the Holy Spirit in this way As a matter of fact the the word is comforter He is someone who who God uh, He is the way in which God comforts his people But for many traditions we have discarded him To the point that he is not someone that we ever talk about The comforter has become uncomfortable for us For some traditions the Holy Spirit is an afterthought Only brought up Uh, on on the occasion where where verses may mention him. The idea of the Holy Spirit being active and alive in your lives is something that is hard to see from some of the things that we notice various traditions posting on whatever their social media account is. The Holy Spirit is like new tires. You know that you need them, but you only want to deal with it when the time comes. For, For other traditions, the Holy Spirit is the only thought. He is the only piece of their spiritual conversation. But for those of us who are going to to follow after Jesus and live by the Spirit, He is the power by which we think. Our ability to interact with the triune God of the Bible is dependent upon the active work of the Holy Spirit in our lives. So, here's what I would love for us to do over these next few weeks as we walk through the idea of who the Holy Spirit is, where the Holy Spirit is, why the Holy Spirit is, what the Holy Spirit does, how the Holy Spirit does it. I want us to begin to think through the idea that this comforter is not supposed to make us uncomfortable. That this blanket that God has provided for us should not be a wet one. We would think about how God cares for us and how He has loved us in His Spirit. And we would be people who interact with God's Word, knowing that we do so by His power. The power of the Holy Spirit. If I'm placing all my cards on the table much of my life, I've really wanted to be right, more than I considered the fact that I'm righteous. I've been arrogant at times about my understanding of the Bible, and I would posture myself in such a way that I would teach as if they don't understand. Everyone who disagrees with me doesn't understand the Holy Spirit. And I had this incredible revelation that I have spent time with this these last two to three weeks. It's not a matter of they don't understand. We, as followers of Jesus, do not understand what God has provided for us. The God the Spirit is alive, active and well in His people. The God the Spirit loves us. The God the Spirit is for us. And the very fact that we can sing songs to Jesus is because the Spirit is in our midst. So let's go on a trip together thinking about how God has worked for us through the power of His Spirit. Jared read from 2 Corinthians earlier, the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ and the love of God and the fellowship of the Spirit be with us all. That's not just a see you later from the Bible. It is God saying that He has prayed His Spirit. So let's think through this together. I want to I want to pray for us. and I'm, I'm going to pray for us. I know Jared's already prayed. But here's what I'm going to do. I'm going to bow my head and I'm going to ask you to do something for me. I don't typically do this. I want you just to say a quick prayer for me because this is hard and this is difficult and this this is a conversation that we don't have a lot. So if you'll just give me your trust and just say a quick two, three sentence prayer for me as we open these texts together. Jesus, we love you, and we can love you, but because your spirit is alive in us, and Lord, I pray for us today that we will receive a word from you, and that we will posture our hearts to receive it rightly, that we will have a desire to know you fully, to interact with you in a way that honors you. God over these people today I pray that your spirit will your spirit will stir in us a desire to serve you but not only a desire but we will realize you are the power by which we will serve help us to move from passive to active Christianity if we have not done so help us to actively continue to do that if we have We ask this in the powerful name of Jesus through the power of His Spirit. And everyone in the room says, Amen. I'm going to read from John chapter 14 for for us today. John chapter 14. Where Jesus says in verse 15, If you you love me, you will keep my commandments. And I will ask the Father and He will give you another counselor to be with you forever. Notice three people active there. Uh, Jesus the Son, God the Father, and, and Another counselor to, who will be with you forever, just for clarity, he is the spirit of truth. He is the, wor- the world is unable to receive him, because it does not see him, n- nor does it know him. But you do know him, because he remains with you, and you will be and will be in you for 16, 18, rather. I will not leave you as orphans. I am coming to you. In a little while, the world will no longer see you, but, but you will see me. Because I live, you will live too. Our salvation, as you see in verse 14, 15, 16, 78, it is an interdependent concept resting in the hand of a triune God. So we have these words that we're familiar with, that we have some type of interaction with. We have, as human beings, an interaction with the notion of a father. Whether it's a good one or a bad one that really is dependent upon your circumstance. Maybe you look at your dad and he is your hero. There's a possibility that you look at your dad and you have a very diff- very difficult relationship with him. But we have some type of notion, a working notion of who a father is. Many of us n- understand what a son is. We all understand the concept in the general sense. Many of us see it and know it in a particular sense. Possibly, just possibly, you have a son. Maybe you are a son. You might be married to someone's son. We know who sons are and how they work. Both of these concepts are tangible for us. What seems intangible is the notion of a spirit. That there, there is God the Spirit... The unique thing that we see and the ironic thing that we see in text in the Scripture are that the most intangible thing about the triune God that we interact with as followers of Jesus is the way in which God makes himself tangible to us. But the idea that we would read about God the Son who walked on this earth 2,000 years ago and that could mean anything more to us than just ink on paper, words on a page is because the Holy Spirit is allowing us to, to see it in that way. The idea that we can see God as this eternal Father is because the Spirit allows us to do so. Our salvation is an interdependent concept resting in the hand of a triune God. Let me give you a little bit of a breakdown of how that works. It is activated by the Father. Activated by the Father. God looks at the sinful state of humanity from Genesis chapter 3 on and says, I am the only one who can save them. God is the architect of salvation. He puts the plan together. Secondly, we see that it is accomplished by the Son. Jesus Christ was sent, and through His death and resurrection, they, meaning you and me and other believers around the globe, will be saved. The Son pays for the redemption that God offers. The Son enacts God's plan. For that we're having this conversation together, what we may miss possibly is that that idea of God's active plan, activated by the Father, accomplished by the Son, is applied through the Holy Spirit. So again, it is accomplished by the Son. Through His death, through His resurrection, the Son pays the debt for our sin. It is then applied by the Spirit. I seal them for salvation. The Spirit applies the salvation of God upon each and every one of us. Never leaving us, never forsaking us, making these words of Jesus, giving them an exclamation point, giving them a a strength in our our day-to-day, the Spirit of God active in God's people. David Garner says this, The Holy Spirit is the bond by which Christ effectually unites us to Himself. R.C. Sproul heard of Him. The Holy Spirit is omniscient, omnipresent, and eternal. Omniscient, unknowing, omnipresent, everywhere. And He is eternal, He is forever. There never was a time when the Spirit of God did not exist. So we're having this conversation about the Holy Spirit that makes all of us uncomfortable, me included. And I come across this quote from a man named John Newton. He says this, Is it really true that which the early church so depended on, you look in the book of Acts, you read through it, you notice that the church was acting, interacting with the Holy Spirit. Is it really true that which the early church so depended on, the leadership of the Spirit, has become irrelevant to us today? The church of God engaging with God through the Spirit of God has become an afterthought in our Christian conversation. If you're a note-taker, let me give you a little bit of breakdown as to who the Holy Spirit is because the Holy Spirit is a person. He is not a force. Star Wars has a force. We as followers of Jesus have a person. We as people who are in the Spirit of God know a person and that person is with you right now. We've had conversations before, I would imagine, where we said something to the effect of, if Jesus were just with me, I would be able to do better. There are a couple of problems with that. One is the Bible. Have you met the disciples? They're morons. They make terrible decisions throughout the entirety of the book when, you're, when they're walking with Jesus. All of the time, they're saying the wrong thing, doing the wrong thing, acting the wrong way, reacting the wrong way. They never know what to do. They say to Jesus at one point, should we call down thunder and lightning because those people are preaching and prophesying in your name. In my head, Jesus rolls his eyes at these guys. If we believe that Jesus standing in our midst would make us behave, that makes us a better Christian than the twelve that he called to follow him initially. It's not what's happening. It's not what takes place. That's not how this whole thing works. Jesus tells us that it's better that he sends the Spirit. That the, the Holy Spirit is a person. Uh, he that does not mean that he has a physical body Luke 24 36 40 tell us that but by the word person we need, mean a person characterized by uh, Person things. They have rationality. They have a moral sense. He has the characteristics of a person. Here are things that the Scripture teaches us about the Holy Spirit. Today's a tad of an overview. We'll go into in depth with some of these other things. He has characteristics of a person. The Holy Spirit has a mind. The Holy Spirit has a will. The Holy Spirit speaks. The Holy Spirit does not only have the characteristics of a person, He does person stuff. He speaks. He teaches. He guides. He forbids. He searches. The Holy Spirit is hurt in the ways in which people are hurt. You can grieve Him. Have you ever been grieved? Because you're a person. Have you ever been insulted? Because you're a person, the Holy Spirit can be insulted. Have you ever been lied to? If you say no, you're lying to me right now. The Holy Spirit is a person who is lied to. However, not only is he a person, he is divine. We see that he is divine. If you, so for those of us who are talking about the Holy Spirit, we're not talking about a force that is apart from God. We're talking about the third person of the Trinity. And for you, if you're a follower of Jesus, I know you guys have theological conversations. You have them on Facebook. We probably need to deal with some of those sometimes. to Report them, block them, whatever. If you are having theological conversations apart from the Holy Spirit, you are having at best an incomplete one and at worst a heretical one. The Holy Spirit is God, actively working in our midst. But as, as it is written, 1 Corinthians 2 says, What no eye has seen, no ear has heard, and no human heart has conceived, God has prepared these things for those who love Him. How does He do so? Verse 10, God revealed these things to us by the Spirit. Since the Spirit searches everything, even the depths of God... For who knows a person's thoughts except his spirit within him? In the same way, no one knows the thoughts of God except the Spirit of God. Our grasp of who God is comes back to God the Spirit allowing us to. One theologian says this, He who does not know the Holy Spirit of God does not know God at all. So this Spirit is divine actively doing divine things you can know God because of the spirit of God here are the ways that we see scripture showing us that he's divine he is eternal, he is all knowing he is all present, he creates he is over nature, he does miracles and our salvation is again this interdependent concept of all of these things, God the son activating, God accomplishing through the son and applying through the spirit the holy spirit at work in the people of God Apart from the Spirit of God, you and I cannot know nor can we enjoy the life, death, and resurrection of the person of Jesus. So we look at John chapter 14, it says this, If you love me, you'll keep my commands, and I will ask the Father, and he will give you another counselor to be with you forever. That word counselor is interesting. More than likely, your Bible translates that helper because you have ESVs. And because we, we see that word, it, it's almost a, a word that is multifaceted. It does numerous things all at the same time, but they're in unison with one another. In, in the same way that I have a Leatherman that we keep in our drawer. You know I'm not handy. I'm never going to be handy. I'm not, I'm, not, I'm not good with tools, but I do have a Leatherman in a pinch. It works occasionally when I just bang things with it. But there are all of these tools that are on it. All of them are attempting to do similar things, but just in different ways. Uh, in the same way, this word helper, it works. It, it works like that. It's helper. It's counselor. The, the, the Greek word for it is parakletos, which we probably aren't throwing around or putting on a t-shirt anytime soon. It, it means someone to call to one side. One who pleads on the behalf of another before a judge, a counsel, or defense. He is our legal assistant. There's a mere advocate The one who pleads another's case with one, an intercessor. Uh, It's similar to the word lawyer. You've more than likely heard that. You've heard of a paralegal. If you've ever been in a court situation, there is a lawyer who stands before you interceding for you. The Holy Spirit working on our behalf before God. Now, that works in two ways. He is convicting and he is convincing all at the same time. So if you're in this room and you're not a believer in Jesus, the Holy Spirit is actively working right now to convict you of your sin and show you that you need Jesus. Simultaneously, he looks at the sins of believers. Me, you, every one of us. And when he sees our sins, he is convincing you when all of your sins says that you should be full of guilt and shame and feel the, the weight of it to the point that you would ostracize yourself from Christian immunity. Jesus says to you through the power of the Holy Spirit... Not that he is convicting you of sin, but he is convincing you that there is nothing that you can do that would separate you from the love of God in Christ Jesus. The Holy Spirit convincing those of us who would follow after Jesus that we are regularly in right standing with God, one pastor friend says. That you cannot do enough that is bad enough to separate you from God if you are a person who is in Christ Jesus. You, are, you belong to Him. He belongs to you. And He does not leave you, nor does He forsake you. He is the Spirit of truth working in God's people. The Spirit of truth working in God's people and convicting those who do not belong to God's people that they should be part of God's people. Because it's not the pastor's job to convict someone of sin. If it was, I'm doing a lousy job. That's the job of the Holy Spirit. And He's way better at it than I could ever be. Because, you know, if I were to to really just weigh in on you guys about the, the depths of your depravity, that may get you guilty into the parking lot. But it's the Holy Spirit of God who convicts you of sin. Who works in you when you're in the deepest, darkest places. The Holy Spirit of God actively working in you when calling you to Himself, telling you that you need a Savior. The Holy Spirit is a spirit of truth. A pastor friend says this, the Holy Spirit convinces the believer who feels judged and damned by the world at times as we look around and see that chaos is coming in upon us. The Holy Spirit of God convinces the believer that the ruler of the world has been judged, cast out, and has no authority in our lives. The Holy Spirit empowers us to be people who walk with God. To be people who know God, love God, see God, because the Spirit is alive and well in us. Are we people who seek to know the Holy Spirit? Are we people who want to know the power of the Holy Spirit? Jesus says this, I will not leave you as orphans. I am coming to you. I am coming to you. In a little while, the world will no longer see me, but you will see me because I live with... Because I live, you will live too. Jesus living in our midst through the power of the Spirit. On that, we see in John 16, again, or rather John chapter 14, verse 20, he continues, On that day, you will know that I am in the Father, and you are in me, and I am in you through the power of the Spirit. The one who has my commands and keeps them is the one who loves me. How do we love him? Because he allows us and enables us to love him. And the one who loves me will be loved by my Father. I will also love him and reveal myself to him. There's a question from Judas Iscariot. You more than likely have heard of him. Lord, how is it that you're going to reveal yourself to us and not to the world? Jesus says this, If anyone loves me, he will keep my word. Well, how do we keep his word? Through the power of the Spirit. My Father will love him and we will come to him and make our home with him. The one who does not love me will not keep my words. We are sealed to keep the word by the power of the Spirit. We do not sway into nothingness through the power of the Spirit. We do not move to the depths of depravity when we have been sealed by the power of the Spirit. The word that you hear is not mine, but it's from the Father who sent me. Jesus says this in 25 and 26, I have spoken these things to you while I remain with you. But the Counselor, the Holy Spirit, whom the Father will send in my name, will teach you all things and will remind you of everything I have told you. So Jesus is saying that I'm going to leave, I'm going to come back, and when I come back, everything that I have taught you, well, you will be reminded of through the power of the Spirit. We more than likely dealt with this in a lower case sense at some point in our lives if we're followers of Jesus. We're in a conversation with someone and they have infuriated us for whatever reason. Maybe they don't like our team or don't vote for our candidate or whatever. So we decide to have this conversation with them and then because we are a believer in Jesus, we realize we need to stop ourselves. We don't continue through the power of the spirit. Maybe you've been on Facebook and you were about to post something and you went ahead and posted it, because I know y'all. And the Holy Spirit convicted you of that. As He has convicted me of that more often than I would like to admit. The Holy Spirit working in us not to say things that would would damage the testimony that we have before God because the testimony that we have before God is when given to us with the power of a Spirit. The Counselor, the Holy Spirit, whom the Father will send in my name, will teach you all things and He will remind you of everything that I have told you. What has He told you? What has He said to you? How is He pouring into you? Through the power of His Word, what are you hearing and receiving from the Lord God? The Holy Spirit active in God's people. John continues in chapter 16. Flip your Bible over to chapter 16, verse 7 through 15. 17 through 15 is backwards numbers. 7. Jesus says to the disciples who are very discouraged that He's going to go away. He says, it's better that I'm going to go away. Nevertheless, I'm telling you the truth. It is for your benefit that I go away. Uh, Because... If I don't go away, the counselor, he's not going to come to you. The comforter, the advocate, the paraclete, the one who stands with you in the midst of what you're walking through right now. When he comes, he will convict the world of sin, righteousness, and judgment. About sin, because they do not believe in me. About righteousness, because I am going to the Father and you no longer will see me. And about judgment, because the ruler of this world has been judged. I still have many things to tell you, but I cannot bear them now. When the Spirit of truth comes, there that phrase is again, He will guide you into all the truth. There are moments when we are headed a direction by the power of the Spirit, and we stop, and He keeps nudging us, pushing us, or pursuing us for the sake of God's goodness. He will speak whatever He hears. Jesus has said earlier in the Gospel of John chapter 14 that if you've seen me, you've seen the Father. And He is saying right here, if you hear the Spirit, you are hearing from me. He will declare to you what is to come. He will glorify me because the Holy Spirit glorifies the Son. The Holy Spirit is the way in which we glorify the Son. The purpose of the Holy Spirit is to always point to the Son because He grasped God the Father, God the Son, God the Spirit, the triune God of the Bible grasped that we can understand God through the person of Jesus. He will glorify me because He will take from what is mine and He will declare it to you. Everything the Father has, it's mine. This is why I told you that He takes from what is mine and will declare it to you. Jesus pointing us to the Spirit. The Holy Spirit's compared to a wind to the Scriptures. That phrase is used by Jesus in John chapter 3 verse 8. The Holy Spirit's a powerful wind that moves among us. There's, a, there's an illustration. The, the word doldrum. You've heard the word doldrum. It's an old word. Maybe you haven't used it today. Maybe we should bring it back. We'll bring doldrum back on the GBC Facebook page. It was a word from Lord Byram. He used it to talk about... Places where wind wasn't taking you anywhere. I've got some of you guys who are boaters. Others of you guys who fly planes. You understand wind. Uh, Byram says this. From the bluff head where I watched today. I saw her in the doldrums. For the wind was light and baffling. Now it says the wind was light and baffling. That's uh, old English speak for. It wasn't doing anything really. Baffling winds are, are those that are shifting and light and variable. They don't help you make any type of progress. Eventually, that word doldrum comes to refer specifically to sailing ships that move, that, don't, that will not move due to lack of wind. The region now called, there's an area called that now, the doldrums. It was named that in the mid-19th century and it was named that accidentally. Ships weren't able to progress so much that in this equatorial region described them as being in the doldrums. They were calling it this because it was the state of the ship. But it eventually becomes the the existence, the place there. I want to read this to you so you don't think I'm crazy. It's from the National Oceanic and Atmospheric Association. It's a a .gov website. I know how much you guys trust the government. (laughs) Due to intense... Oh well. Email Greg, he's one of our elders. Due to intense solar heating near the equator, the warm, moist air is forced up into the atmospheric like a hot air atmosphere like a hot air balloon. As the air rises it cools, causing persistent bands of showers and storms around the Earth's midsection. The rising air mass finally subsides into what is known as the horse latitudes where the air moves downward toward Earth's surface. Because the air circulates in an upward direction, there is often little surface wind in this intercontinental area. That, th- that is why sailors well know that the area can be, ca- be calm or stop moving sailing ships for weeks. Jesus, as I said in John chapter 3, says... The wind blows where it pleases and you hear it sound... But you don't know where it comes from or where it is going. So it is with everyone born of the Spirit, the Holy Spirit, the wind of God moving in our midst. In the Bible, we see the Holy Spirit as the wind of God and He is the application of God's great plan. Through the Holy Spirit, we see in Luke chapter 1, Mary miraculously conceived baby Jesus. Through the Holy Spirit... We see that he descends upon Jesus at his baptism in Luke chapter 3. The Holy Spirit is with Jesus as he is tempted by Satan in Luke 4 and he returns by the power of the Spirit in Luke 4 later. Through Through the eternal Holy Spirit, Hebrews tells that Jesus offered himself as a sacrifice for our sins. The Holy Spirit not only does those things in the life of Jesus, the Holy Spirit establishes the church because the Holy Spirit is the incomplete, full revelation of God. You and I are able to confess that Jesus is Lord, that God raised Him from the dead, and that we are saved through the power of the Holy Spirit. Not only do we see that active in the Bible, we see that active in each and every one of us. In our lives, the Holy Spirit continues to apply the plan of God. We take up our crosses daily, not through our own power, though many of us try. We take up our crosses and deal with sin, however that happens to be manifesting in you most personally and publicly through the power of the Spirit. The Holy Spirit allows the ink on this paper to give boldness and direction to our lives. The Holy Spirit empowers the information that we know, that we should put sin to death, that we should love our neighbors, that we should reach the world to become something that we not only know, but something that we do. The Holy Spirit allows words that challenge us from sinful people like me to change us somehow into people who are more like. Me. If I imitate God, it will be only through the power of the Holy Spirit, and right now through the power of the Holy Spirit. God's active agent, alive in His people. He is convicting unbelievers of sin everywhere, but also in this room. And he is working in believers, convincing you that no matter how deep your sin or dark it happens to be, that you have not out-sinned the good grace of God. The Holy Spirit working in our midst. How do we do that? If you're not a believer in Jesus, it means that you confess with your mouth that Jesus is Lord because the Spirit is enabling you to do so. It means that you believe in your heart that God would raise him from the dead. Will you do that? If you're already a believer, God is speaking to you into whatever your sin happens to be, saying that does not have to be your pitfall because I'm your hope and I do not leave you nor do I forsake you. I am with you always because of the power of the Spirit, Jesus is with us to the ends of the age. Would we be people who trust in the Holy Spirit actively engaging us Not just in the days of the Bible, but right now. To do God-sized things in what is seemingly a godless world. Would you bow your heads with me? Again, there's a possibility that you're not a believer in the person of Jesus. That you need to trust Jesus for the first time today. Because He's convicting you of your sin. Working in your heart to make you, to stir you, to shape you into the image of Jesus. If that's you, through the power of the Spirit, I would encourage you to confess with your mouth that Jesus is Lord. And to believe in your heart that God raised Him from the dead. That is the gospel to which he points. And he's pointing you there right now. If that is you, I'm going to be in the back right hand corner of this room. If you want to talk to me about that, I'd love to talk to you about that. About what God's doing. Maybe we can put some handles on a very difficult conversation. But I know your faces, your believers, the people that I get to pastor each week, thankfully. and I know that we can hide sin because it's easy to hide possibly maybe today the Holy Spirit of God you need to trust that He is convincing you that there are no heights or depths no demons there's nothing that can separate you from the love of God in Christ Jesus he says that to us. So if that's you and you need prayer, I encourage you to go a few directions. To me, that's great. But you don't spend much time with me other than this hour. I, I, I know that I've got life group leaders in the room. If you're a life group leader, uh, you're in one of those groups, please go to your person ask them to pray with you. I've got some smaller groups where people pray together. Discipleship groups that meet together and talk about the Bible. I would encourage us to respond to the Spirit's prompting and urging in us to be people who are more like Jesus, as He points us to Jesus. Lord, we thank You for today. We thank You for Your Word. We thank You that we get to look into it and see that there is depth there. Depth that we may not have even gotten to. But we're going to go. We're going to keep going. Let us be people who do not just know stuff about you, but who live live in your power and rely on it. Holy Spirit of God, move in our midst in ways that we do not expect. We ask this in Jesus' name.